Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. New Grace exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media, at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your worship and your spirit of obedience to when God moves. There's nothing better than uh, just kind of following his lead. We prayed this morning with the worship team, and we said, God, uh, we've got a plan. We know what we want to do, but we let what you want to do trump what we want to do. So we always ask God to have his way, and we appreciate you worshiping with us today. Hey, NG Basics is this morning. So if you are new to New Grace, you haven't been coming very long, we would invite you to stick around um, after our gathering concludes this morning, starting at 11 o'clock. NG Basics is just a class that introduces you to who we are as a church, what we do, what we believe, how you can be an active part. And, um, you know, we, we, we choose to say it's a membership class, but, you know, being the church is more than putting your name on a roll. Being the church is more than just signing up and say, I'm a member now. So we call it a membership class, but it's really just how you can become an active part of what God does here, because that's what being a member is, becoming an active part of what God wants to do through his local church. And that's what we are, and we want you to be a part of that. So if you're new here and you want to be a part of New Grace, stick around for NG Basics happening in the conference room just down the hall here. And um, there'll be light refreshments. You'll get to meet the staff, and we'd love to say hello to you. And it's a short class Pastor Jeff will be presenting, okay? So be a part of that. Go with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, and we're going to take a look at chapter 20. Isn't it good to see our pastor back with us this morning? Man, I'm telling you what, that, I love, I love it. I love it. I'm thankful for my brother. I call him Brother Pastor. And um, I'm so excited that, that, that he's made the progress that he has made. It's wonderful. Acts chapter 20, um, I want to give you just kind of a quick background. So as usual, Paul is on the move. Um, If you follow the life of Paul, you see that a lot of times he's on the move. He's going from region to region, from place to place, from city to city, church to church, and he's traveling and he's teaching and he's preaching the gospel of Christ. And he's kind of, you can kind of refer to him as the, 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 the father, so to speak, of the early church. He kind of nurtured it along with his teachings and with his writings. And Paul was, Paul was the type of guy to where it did not matter what was going on. Paul had some tenacity, you know what I mean? Paul had some, what we would call hustle, right? And he wasn't like the most eloquent of speakers. He wasn't the most um, polished speaker. Uh, We get that uh, throughout scripture. We kind of can pick up on some clues there that kind of let us know that Paul wasn't like this great orator or anything. It's not like people were lined up outside of the church of Corinth or Ephesus or somewhere else like, ooh, Paul's gonna be here today. Because Paul, earlier in this chapter, it even says that there was a kid named Eutychus sitting up in the top of a church, and Paul preaches basically all night long, and he's preaching so long, and and he's like, it was so boring that the kid fell asleep. Not only did he fall asleep, he fell out of the balcony and about died. Like, 
please don't fall asleep while I'm preaching this morning. And, and even worse, please don't fall asleep and fall out of your chair onto the floor so we hear a thud and I'll look in your direction, right? Just try to stay up, okay? Um, if anything, the cold woke you up when you walked in. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but, but Paul, he kept right on, like, like he, he like looked at the dude dead on the floor and was like, nah, he ain't dead. Come on, let's keep going. And they kept going. Like, that was just who Paul was. So he's on his way to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And before he gets there, he stops in a little place that Acts 27 calls Miletus. And he's got these disciples in Ephesus that he wants to talk to. And he wants to kind of reconnect with them. He spent a couple years with them, got close to them. And Paul wants to reconnect with these disciples there. So we pick up the story in verse number 17 because he has some important things he wants to share with them. Here's what he says. It says, uh, Luke tells tells us that Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church from Ephesus. And the Bible says in verse 18, when they were come to him, keep in mind, they walked like 36 miles to come meet him. So this was like, they had some skin in the game here. This was commitment. They walked 36 miles. They get to where he is. And he says to them, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. <laughs> I think Paul's probably the only guy that could claim to be humble and it'd actually be okay, you know? He said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews. Verse 20, he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Paul said, I didn't hold back if it was good for you. But I've showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. And he says, I don't know what's waiting for me there. And he says, I don't know what's waiting for me there, verse 23, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, the Holy Ghost told me some bad stuff's waiting. He's like, I don't know what's coming up, but I know it's not going to be easy. And then verse number 24, he says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I life, uh, my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul pretty much knows that this is probably going to be the last time that he communicates with these people. Paul knows that this is probably the last time he's going to stand before them and get an opportunity to tell them what he needs to tell them. And we see here that Paul, knowing that it's his last time, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold back. In fact, we could, we could say that he kind of tells it like it is. And if we know anything about Paul, we know that he wasn't necessarily known for censoring what he had to say. Like you read what he has written to the churches in the New Testament, and you find out real quick, dude, this guy ain't got no filter. Like, this guy is willing to just kind of say whatever. He wasn't the type to soften the message or soften the blow with what he had to say. Like, there was one time he called out two ladies that were talking about each other in the church. Like, he just, he just called them by name and were like, hey, I need you to stop it. And they, he, he just called them out in a letter. Can you imagine reading that letter? Hey, we got Paul's letter. Oh, y'all need to get out before we read this, y'all. 
Like he was, he was known for raising eyebrows and dropping jaws. Can I get a witness? Like he was known for just not putting the filter on. And Paul said, look, I don't know what's ahead of me, but look, if it's good for you, I haven't held it back thus far. He said that earlier in verse 20. He said, if it is good for you, I'm not going to censor it. If it's going to help you and it is profitable for you, I'm not going to keep it back from you. And so Paul tells him, look, I don't know what's coming, but God told me it might not be easy. I don't know what's ahead, but I know that while serving God so far, he said in verse 19 down through 23, I've experienced many tears. Sounds fun. Many temptations. Oh, my and snares and traps set by the Jews. And now he's going to Jerusalem where all the Jews who killed Jesus are now waiting to kill this guy who's preaching about Jesus. The same guy who used to kill people who preached about Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem to preach about Jesus where they are waiting to kill him. And the Holy Ghost says, hey, look, this ain't going to be easy. And Paul takes the filter off and starts telling him, hey, look, what's coming? I don't know what's ahead for us. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy. And maybe we should take a page out of Paul's book this morning. Maybe we should take a page out of Paul's book. And instead of saying, here we go, instead of saying everything that we know people want to hear and saying God said it, maybe, maybe just maybe, we should remove the censor, remove the filter, and say what we know God wants us to hear. Because here's what happens. We get tempted to, 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 to say things because a new calendar year rolls around. It's the first month of the new year. And we get tempted to make promises we probably can't keep. We get tempted to declare things that we don't really know. for Is God in it or isn't he in it? Like, do we know for sure? And we love to say things like, and a lot of people love to say things like, this is going to be your year of breakthrough, and God knows I hope it is. Amen? This is going to be the year where things shift. I hope they do. This is going to be, here we go, the best year ever. God's going to do the best thing he's ever done. I would love that. I would personally love that if this was the best year ever. Things will turn around. I hope they do. This is going to be a year of health and prosperity for you. That sounds great. That, man, that sound, doesn't that sound good? That just sounds wonderful. But here's what happens. We get hoodwinked and we get fooled into thinking that just because a zero gets replaced with a one, that everything's going to be smooth sailing and easier as if God operates on our little calendar, as if a God that big operates on something so small. And we set ourselves up for disappointment. And everywhere we look, everywhere we look, we see people and we hear things like, uh, we hear things like 2021 is going to be better. We hear things like it's going to happen, and for the Christian, God's going God's to bless, and he's going to, and listen, I am one, I'm the first one to say that our God does bless. Our God is going to move. There are mountaintops waiting. There are great things waiting. Do not misunderstand, but here's the thing. For the Christian, is better really better? Is, it, is better necessarily better? Think about it like this. When do Christian? When are Christians the real? When when are the real redeemed? God's people supposed to shine? Because when everything's normal, ain't nobody looking for answers. 
When everything's good, ain't nobody searching for something that'll change things. But you know, when everything starts going down the tubes, when everything starts going to pot, the world starts scratching their head and looking for answers. And you know what God designed his church to be? The ones who will rise up and stand up when it gets hard. The ones who will stand up when it starts getting difficult. I wonder if I got anybody who says, you know what? If it's normal, great. But if it's not, I'm still going to stand. If it's not, I'm still going to celebrate. If it's not, I'm still going to let my voice be heard. Even if nobody's listening, I'm going to stand and let my voice be heard. Is there anybody at New Grace this morning who says no matter what comes, I will stand for Jesus? Listen, the world gets dark. That's when the light shows. That wasn't even where the, when the, when the, when the world gets darker, when it gets tougher, when it gets more difficult, isn't that when we're supposed to shine and not go into hiding? Isn't that when we're supposed to come to the surface with strength and anointing from the Holy One and not disappear? You see, no matter what comes before us, no matter what kind of adversity comes, no matter what is ahead of us, we know that hell doesn't retreat. Demons don't stop. And we know that difficulty for the child of God is part of the deal. Like he said, I mean, I haven't felt hate as a Christian yet, but he said we will be hated. He said that we will suffer persecution and life is full of adversity and we never get so close to God or so far up the spiritual ladder that we're exempt from it. So I want to just tell you this. If it's going to be a fight, let's tell the truth about it. If there's uncertainty ahead, and life is always uncertain. I love all these advertisements in this time of uncertainty. I'm like, when has it ever been certain? (laughs) If uncertainty is ahead, let's not censor it, and let's not filter it. If there are battles to fight, let's find out how to fight them. If it's going to be difficult, let's find out how to make it through it. If we got to walk through trouble, let's find out who's walking with us and let's get out on the other side of this thing. I want to testify and say that I know God will be with us. I know that God will be with you. He promised never to leave nor forsake. You want an uncensored promise? Here's one. Your God will never leave you nor forsake you. You want an uncensored promise? Here's one. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You want an uncensored promise? Here's one. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to him who called according to his purpose. You want an uncensored promise? Here's one. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. You want an uncensored promise? My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You want an uncensored promise? You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You want an uncensored promise? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's uncensor it. Let's uncensor it. Let's take the filter off and launch a new series entitled 2021 Uncensored. We're not going to ignore last year and we're not going to lie about this year. Let's talk about the unfiltered, uncensored reality of what might be coming. Because, yeah, it's uncertain. Yeah, it's uncertain, but I've got some certainties. It is uncertain, but I've got some absolutes that I can hold to, that we can hold to. 
in the face, face of adversity. And this series will give us those absolutes. And I want to go back to verse number 24 one more time and just read one little part. He says, none of these things, everything that he said, fear, trouble, tribulation, persecution, the uncertainty, folks wanting to kill him, all of that stuff, he said, none of these things. Talk about taking the filter off. None of these things, unedited, none of these things move me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this is not going to change me. This is not going to change me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to take that little part where Paul just said, none of these things move me. And I want to declare together that this, this, none of these things, this is not going to change me. 2020 did not change me. 2021 is not going to change me. No matter what's ahead, it's not going to change me. Elbow somebody next to you and tell them this is not going to change me. Elbow somebody next to you say, this is not going to change me. There's nobody next to you. Just tell the empty seat and invite somebody next week and tell them, all right? This is not going to change me. I love what the word none in the Greek means. You know what it means? None. <laughs> Deep word study. The word none means none. None of these things. Zero. None of the tears change me. None of the tribulations change me. None of the chains change me. None of the persecution change me. In other words, these things didn't work. Because the enemy would have loved for these things to hurt me, deceive me, and ultimately end me. But it didn't work. And I love what Psalm says in chapter 16, verse 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. I think we ought to just read that last part out loud. Say, I shall not be moved. Troubles may come, but I shall not be moved. Heartache may be waiting, but I shall not be moved. Disappointment may be around the corner, but I Move. Somebody give him praise this morning. If you believe, we can stand and not be moved. He said, this is not going to change me. And he said, none of these things move me. So here's, here's a question I asked when I read this. What does that word move actually mean? When Paul says, none of these things move me, what does that mean? Let's define it and let's draw some truth out of it. You ready? First of all, it means this. It means that it won't make me who I am. It won't make me who I am. That word move, we, we, we did find out what that said in the Greek, okay? It, move means to make or to form. In other words, none of these things made me or formed me. In other words, what happens to me does not make me who I am. They don't make me me. What happens to you in your life, what happened to you this past year did not make you you. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are not defined by what happens to you. The things didn't make me who I am. In other words, 2020 did not change who you are. Failure does not have to fashion you. Drugs do not have to define you. Abortion does not have to alter you. Divorce doesn't have to define who you are. Failure does not make you a failure. 
Former addiction or relapse does not make you an addict. doesn't define you. What happens to you does not define you. And maybe we just need to declare this right now. Fear will not form me. Going forward, fear will not form me. Defeat will not dominate me. Bitterness will not brand me. Cancer will not characterize me. Isolation will not identify me. Loss will not label me. And my past will not prevent me from going toward my future and making the most out of what God has for me. Maybe we just need to declare that what makes us who we are is more than what happens to us. What makes us who we are is more than what happens to us. What makes us who we are is whose we are. What makes you who you are is whose you are. Can I just remind you this morning who you belong to? Can I remind you this morning whose you are? If you are saved, you have been blood-bought and redeemed, I just want to remind you this morning and celebrate with you that you belong to the Most High God. I just want to tell you that what happens to you does not define you or identify you. Your Heavenly Father does. If God is your Father, that's who you are in him. Jesus is your savior and the Holy Spirit is your guide. That's what makes me who I am. Find your identity not in things that happen or things you have or stuff in this life, but find your identity in who Christ is. If he says I'm redeemed, I am redeemed. If he says I'm a conqueror, I am a conqueror. I am everything that my God says I am. And be reminded this morning whose you are. Whose you are makes you who you are. When you lost her, you didn't lose your identity. Man, when you lost him, you did not lose your identity. When you lost your job this past year, Somebody in here did. When you lost your job this past year, you did not lose your identity. You get so caught up in thinking that the money you make makes you who you are. Ain't that easy? The money I have, the money I make, what I do to get it, the stuff I acquire and the stuff I attain in this life and all the hard work I put in and now I can't do it. I can't perform for my family. I can't do what I do and be a man. That don't make you who you are. Divorce, when you lost what you thought made you who you are, did not identify who you are. What 2020 took from you, what 2020 stole from you, did not change your identity, did not change whose you are. You belong to the king. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. What does that mean? Everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. And if I am a joint heir, that means that everything that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. And that means that by spirit and by rebirth in his Holy Spirit, it belongs to me. My identity is not, my identity is not found on this earth. I'm a Christian. I'm a dad. I'm a, we, we've talked about this before. I'm a father or I'm a hard worker or I'm a church goer. More than that, you are God's. Before a title comes a relationship. So declare this morning that none of these things are going to move me. Whatever I lost, whatever happened to me, it's not going to move me. It's not going to change 
who I am. It's not going to make me or form me. My Bible tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made by my Father. My relationship with him makes me me. What about you this morning? Are you finding relationship? Are you finding identity in anything other than him? Are you finding identity somewhere else? Or are you resting in the assurance that everything that happens in this life does not make me me? It does not form me. It does not fashion me. But I am made by my Father. It's not going to change me, and it's not going to make me who I am. It won't make me who I am, but secondly, it won't do to me what it could have. That word move doesn't just talk about making and forming, but that word move says it means to do and to do a thing to someone. This is neat. Paul is saying none of these things move me. None of these things did to me what they could have done to me. Disappointment could have wrecked my whole life. 2020 could have knocked me completely off course. Everything could have knocked me sideways and made me question everything I believe. But Paul was saying here that none of these things, though it happened to me, it did not do what it could have. I think we can all agree that what happens to us and what has happened to us could have been a whole lot worse. My Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anybody in here been destroyed? Doesn't look like it. That means it could have been worse. If you're still alive, your heart's beating, God still has a purpose for you, it could have been worse. You're not where you used to be. It could have been worse. It might not look good, but hey, it could have been worse. I need a witness this morning if you know that with God's protection, it could have been worse. With God's power, it could have been worse. These things did not do what the enemy intended for them to do. It could have been worse. And here's the thing. They don't have to do to you what they could have, but they can do to you what they should have. Now watch this now. They, they, they don't do to you what they could have, but they can do to you what they should have. I think about the life of Joseph. Anybody remember Joseph in the book of Genesis his brothers do him wrong, throw him in a pit, tell, his, tell the dad he's dead. Joseph ends up in prison. Joseph ends up a servant. Joseph ends up working his tail off. Joseph ends up getting dealt the worst cards you could possibly be dealt. And Joseph ends up finally one day ruling the nation. And all of a sudden, the tables have turned over years and years and years. And Joseph is now the ruler over the nation. When they come to him looking for relief in a famine, who walks in the door other than his two brothers or his brothers? They come walking in. And kneel before him, don't recognize him, and Joseph is able to, if you remember the story, you know Joseph is able to reveal to them who he is, and they're like, whoa. And they think he's going to kill them. And Joseph was able to bless them, give them food, and Joseph said, what you did, you meant for evil. What you did, you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What Joseph was saying was, what could have happened didn't, but what should have happened did. 
What could have happened to me didn't happen. I made it. But what should have happened, happened. I'm sitting in the palace now. What should have happened, happened. I'm further than I was before. You see, here's the thing. What this thing couldn't, uh, should, uh, excuse me, it doesn't do to me what it could do, but it will do what it should do. This isn't going to change me, but I will be changed. I'm going to say that again. It's not going to change me, but I will be changed. Here's the thing. What happens to you, the things that the enemy loves to use against you, JJ, you can come go ahead and help me close, buddy. What the enemy would love to use against you and what happens to you, it does not define you, but it does develop you. And if there's anything that 2020 did... It might not have defined us. It might not have defined who we are as a church. It might not have defined who you are as a husband or a wife. It might not have defined who you are, but it is going to develop who you are. This did not move me. It did not change me. It did not make me who I am, but I will be changed. And who I am will be developed because of this. It does not have to define you. But would you join me this morning in asking God to use everything that happens in our lives to develop us. Would you stand up with me this morning?